0: Clay, welcome to the episode of Voyager called The Cloud, which is Mm. otherwise known in the friend's parlance as the one where Tom Paris invites his co-workers to watch some porn that he's gotten into recently. (laughs) And boy, (laughs) does everyone walk away with a big smile on their face at the end of that adventure.
1: It's the classy stuff, though. It's like, you know, the French stuff from the 70s where it's like, you know, without the sex, this would actually still be pretty interesting. (laughs) This is is Skinamax stuff.
0: Edited for TV, I think, would just extremely sexy. Just and uh I don't know. I was I was just really struck by that. It was um, it's funny. Like we've talked about this in TNG episodes, like the Barclay one where Barclay gets caught like um, creating versions of people that he works with, and then he's having mm-hmm. sex with them or something in the holodeck, and everyone kind of gets skeeved out by it. Tom Paris for better or for worse is fairly open about the fact that that's what's going on. And he's just going <laughs> like, to
1: It's the future yes, baby. This is
0: he, he kisses the holograms and I'm, I'm looking at it with just a modern perspective of like, isn't that weird? That's a weird thing to do in front of other people. Like I can understand being by yourself, but to to do it with
1: other people, is a, it's a strange and, choice. It's a choice. And to be like, no, I come here all the time. All the time. Look, when I, I was at Starfleet, <laughs> I came here for real all the time. So well, he's you're, so you're, everybody. He's so, I was just sorry. saying, everybody's hanging. Everybody's basically just hanging out in his sex fantasy, which mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody seems yeah. to totally. Nobody seems to totally appreciate that. That's what's happening. It's just like, oh wow, yeah. thanks for creating such a cool hangout for all <laughs> of us, including the <laughs> captain, to come hang out in.
0: Well, the the I mean the character at the uh, the the swarmy guy comes up and he's like, Captain Janeway, I would like to f your brains out at, at the end of this pool thing. And she's like, Oh, oh hologram. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, so she's like,
1: I mean, not this time, but you know, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, a
0: Paris is just so so deeply into porn that he doesn't realize the the line where the line has to be drawn, and no one seems to be able mm. to, to bring it up because it's you know. This is a long car ride home. You you can't have an awkward moment five minutes into your three-hour car no. ride up to up to the Canadian border or something. So we'll see. Anyway, this is The Cloud. Helps if I go there. It is the sixth episode of Voyage's first season. Came out on February 13th, 1995. Teleplay goes to Tom Stzol- Stolci, I guess, and Michael Piller. Story credit goes to Brennan Braga, directed by David Livingston, in universe date 48546.2, which is 2371. In this episode called The Cloud with Energy Reserves Nearly Depleted, Voyager investigates possible resources inside a nebula, which, as it turns out, is not really a nebula at all.
1: It's a cloud. Um, so maybe She got a great ass to flown your <laughs> ship
0: all the way up it. <clears throat> all the way up, all the way up to its uh, up to its uh, hips or whatever that saying is. Anyway, so the cloud. I maybe it's just the starting over of a new um, Star Trek series, but I was watching this one, and uh, maybe I haven't settled into Voyager, but I thought for the briefest of moments that this was going to be a revolutionary Star Trek episode where they run into an anomaly of the week and they run away from it. And that's it. There's like no story that goes on after that. And it's just a kind of slice when, of life thing.
1: Yeah. I actually kind of thought the same thing. I wasn't, uh, it wasn't until they got out of the anomaly, quote unquote, uh, that I thought, oh, oh yeah, maybe. Okay. Because I, I almost, I almost really liked this episode. Mm. And I think if they had I done really liked something it. more. I, I, like, I, I would say I liked it. Yeah.
0: Just to say that up front.
1: Yeah, I, I, I liked what they were trying to do, but I didn't really think that they went as far with it as they could have. Um, I wish it had been more slice of lifey, <clears throat> and I, I kind of was, yeah. When they when they left the the, the nebula, I was kind of like, I kind of had the same feeling. I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's just that vignette is over now. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Janeway wanted coffee, so she put the entire ship in danger. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Uh and it didn't work and now they have 20% less power than they did before but you know she's going to have learned. to drink decaf I guess. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh I thought that then it was like that was just going to be it for that thing and uh however I was I really did like the idea of the nebula turning out to be a creature. I thought that was for, I thought that was very cool like that.
0: Yeah. I like I'm not even really joking. I honestly thought that when they ran away from it, I was like, this is a revolutionary episode of Star Trek. Like, they're just not mm. going to deal with the anomaly of the week. They're just going to continue on. And because the rest of the episode has been structured as this um, slice of life, d- a day in the life of the crew kind of thing, that we're going to get like this really weird, offbeat Star Trek episode. Um, and in a lot of ways, it reminded me strongly of Breaking the Ice and Enterprise because it had that same kind of energy sure. where it's like, this is going to be... Different from a usual Star Trek episode because it's not gonna focus on this like sci-fi plot as the main thing and mm-hmm. like that would be kind of revolutionary at this point. So you'd see where it would be inspired to enterprise and stuff. But they Yeah, I I think that the reason this one isn't a huge success for me is that they do eventually go back to the nebula cloud thing. And mm-hmm. the last ten minutes of it, when it focuses just on that plot line. Which I think is kind of just like a middling C grade idea, really. But when they when they have mm-hmm. to focus on that is the issue, it turns into just techno babble stuff yeah. into an escape yeah. from getting out. And it's like this is not really good. But I really loved all the other stuff that was going on in the episode outside of that. Even Tom Paris's weird porn holodeck event- adventure was like kind of an interesting thing. Um, I love the character moments. I thought that this had some like legitimately funny dialogue in it uh, between mm-hmm. the crew members and stuff but just when they went back to the anomaly it really struck me as outside of being kind of a cute idea it never even did anything with the idea to me to have me go like oh that was fun worth worth the 10 minutes that they spent yeah. on it.
1: yeah no i would agree with that i think my only other um different in a difference in opinion was while i liked the stuff that they were doing this more slice of life stuff i just I don't know. I, I wish that they had done more with it because it, it just felt like they were really skimming the surface with that stuff instead of like really doing something kind of interesting. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind, I was kind of taken uh, off guard that it only took them four episodes to have the Asian character say something about an ancient Chinese curse, and uh, <laughs> later to have the Native American character talk about spirit guides. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, we're just we're um, getting all the we're getting all the ethnicities established at this point. If you if it wasn't aware what was going on, let's have Kim talk about Chinese uh, proverbs and whatnot.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like I, <laughs> I I I liked I thought the stuff that they were doing was cute, but I didn't think it was great. I think they could have yeah. pushed it a little bit more and done some more interesting stuff with it. Um, well, I like i i i liked the opening captain's log from janeway um and i liked her through line story of of her you know kind of getting stressed out and trying to figure out um ways to relax because there's no counselor on board and stuff like i like that stuff but even there i i i think they probably could have tied that into the the anomaly thing in some way that was thematically relevant um I love the doctor when they put him on silence while he's in the background. That's that, that's a great joke. When he's thing. in the background, yeah, is very good
0: <laughs> walking around.
1: Basically turned I him into that. that GIF of the GIF of me saying hello that everybody uses yes. when new people join yep. the Discord.
0: <laughs> I like that scene. I I I thought that there were legitimately funny things I'd never seen before. Maybe just because the doctor is a character that you can mute and he has to sit in the background and stuff. But I thought that was funny. I. I will say that it kind of it's kind of undone a little bit because it feels like everybody gets a little vignette in this one. It's like it's a character work that the entire ensemble gets something to do at one point or another. So it never really focuses on anybody. Yeah, and never really like because when you think about it, it's like there's Tom and Harry. There's. Uh, Harry and Tuvok have interactions. Janeway and Chakotay have interactions. B'Elanna has is like involved in some of it and the doctor's involved in a little bit. It, it's a lot going on. You'd started with Janeway. I'm curious because this episode confuses me a little bit. How how would you define Janeway at this point? What is she as a character? <laughs> um...
1: Is she inexperienced or is she a veteran I, at this point? <sighs> She seems kind of inexperienced. However, not so much that the rest of her crew doesn't kind of notice it because flying the ship directly into that nebula uh, seemed a little foolish to me as far as Mm -hmm. a move that a captain would make just to see what's going on. Uh, I mean, I know they're looking for those particles or whatever, but like... (laughs) When the, <laughs> when the genesis of this, this idea is, man, I wish I could have some coffee. Yeah. I mean, to I be fair, it. she I've wants energy. She,
0: she wants energy, which is yeah. coffee related. Yeah.
1: yeah, We've all been there. We've all wanted to put all of our coworkers in danger for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, that's, but that's a just, very
0: famous I, line. There's coffee in that nebula. That's like the defining line
1: of the series actually. Really? That's, yeah. That's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good line. Um, but yeah, I don't know. She she seems like I I'd like to think that she is <clears throat> experienced enough, like right on the line of ex- well, I guess it would be experienced experienced enough to know that she is in a very unique situation, so she doesn't always handle things the way a traditional captain would. Yeah, um, which is kind of what she's getting at in her in her captain's log, where she's like, well, you know. The interpersonal how it's supposed stuff. To go. Yeah. yeah, the interpersonal stuff, and even even the way that she she handles some of the the missions and stuff. I think she she does them a little bit differently. Uh, why? How would you think? How would you say? I don't.
0: I don't know because I feel like I feel like she's being played as inexperienced, and it kind of comes back to the way that I thought she was acting <laughs> from the pilot onwards, which is that her captain voice persona always seems to me like she's trying to like puff herself up as a captain like she's trying to present Mm -hmm. herself in a way that's different than she actually is when she's in a quiet moment with other characters so it always feels to me that she's a little bit performative in her captaining to people so Mm -hmm. it's like a little bit over the top and here i thought that you get the biggest sense of that she's inexperienced because she's talking to chakotay about like what does the crew feel like? How she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't have this Picard authority where she doesn't really care. She's like deeply concerned about how
1: she's being uh, viewed by the rest of the crew and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But then, well, is that not is that not a result of the situation though? I
0: think it is. Which is kind
1: of what she talks about at the beginning.
0: I think it is, but I, I think that she doesn't come across as it comes across more as a place as a. Uh, from a place of like insecurity on her part Mm -hmm. which only Mm -hmm. ends up making it weird when she has the scene with uh neelix and neelix is complaining about having to do the thing and she's like dismissed you know that means get the fuck out of my office and she tells me like there's no there's no (laughs) there's no inexperience or like um nervousness with her dealing with neelix or anything like that so i just feel that janeway is not entirely clear to me what she's supposed to be as a captain at this point, whether mm-hmm. or not this is just a great concern for the crew. If it's an inexperienced thing, if it's a performative aspect where she's just trying to puff herself up to make this seem like I know what's going on. I have to lead by example and stuff like that. So yeah, I, th- I think Janeway just sits, uh, sits in like a um, a cloud space. Like it's kind of unclear to me what she is supposed to be and what she's acting as.
1: Well, I would be interested to, to, to know and or see if that is intentional or not um, because I kind of like it uh, because they are in such a unique situation and she is kind of making things up on the fly. I do like that bit of um, unsuredness that she has in some areas and overcompensation she has in other areas it's it i i feel like it makes her more unique as a captain yeah. um i i find her to be more engaging and interesting already than archer was yes uh, in four seasons of enterprise um and i, I cuz i think she very easily could have fallen into just being another kind of cookie cutter captain but i think they're kind of doing Whether or not it's intentional with this sort of uh, differing approach to differing situations, it does make her uh, uh, more unique and it does make me more interested to see what she does in any given situation. However, I will say I'm not going to falter for that reaction to Neelix because that's exactly how I would react to Neelix. (laughs) Again, (laughs) this character is nothing but bad news as far as I'm concerned. I thought... I thought this was his best episode, actually. Like,
0: I I kind of understood his, he, his point here. He's like, what are we doing? Like, why are we having these adventures? Yeah. He has kind of a meta commentary on the series at large. He's like, what is the wrong with these people always stopping to have an adventure when they should be trying to get home? And so I like that. Um, I wish he was... He's kind of he's kind of stuck as a character because even when he has a great point like that, he's kind of always going to be undone because he's not particularly a serious character about anything. So, yeah, Janeway dismisses him here with a with with a fury. But I thought outside of that, he was more bearable than he has been in past episodes, just because he actually had a point about it. Him being concerned about the. Um, like he's like i'm cooking dinner here you can't have people do their jobs while i'm cooking dinner that's that's his like neelixy most annoying
1: aspect of it but it was mm. it was just that line he's trying to run a restaurant I, you know it's hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> again pointing out that Janeway had a gigantic room all have to they not herself moved? in her ex- i i, don't I was know. wondering if they have moved
0: that that seems i wondered if she booted him into the actual like galley for that i, I don't know it it's looks possible. exactly
1: the same but yeah yeah, if 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 not she uh she had quite <laughs> a big room to herself. Yeah, I don't know. He's the I did think it was funny when he pops into the bridge with hors d'oeuvres for everybody. Yeah. Um but At like the very I really mean, think that's like his like, redemption
0: arc. Yeah. <laughs> <when> he,
1: <laughs> I really think that's borderline for me where they either have to go more ridiculous than that or or don't do that cuz I, I him as a character, I like I, I would prefer it if he did that in the middle of like a, a red alert or something when they're you know, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like Is this he needs the to silliest
0: be, Star Trek series? Is this oh, like, yeah, like the silliest down. one? Yeah. It is. Easily. It's, it's yeah. got a really silly energy to it sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's um I would say it has a similar energy to certain episodes of like Deep Space Nine, but hmm. it's more of a it's more of a constant energy. Whereas, you know, every now and then you'd get like the silly episode of Deep Space Nine that involves right. O'Brien Franky. and uh Quark yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of like you've always got that kind of undercut. I would say I would say Neelix is probably a, a, a descendant, a character descendant from Quark. Because they kind of mm. occupy the same space as far as like um they both are in a, in the food service industry. <laughs> You're right. Uh, <laughs> but they, they live but, on tips but in being Yeah. <laughs> All they do is complain about the hours. Um but like but in the same kind of seriously though, they they do occupy the same space in that they are sort of the the uh, uh recreational facility yeah oh, sure yeah that too yeah that yeah so yeah, he's, i i he's, but i i like quark better obviously because i think quark has has more of a defined character to him whereas neelix i still i don't know i'm not i'm, I'm still not sold on him yet
0: yeah quark has a baseline competence to him that isn't completely obnoxious all the time like Neelix hasn't really been shown to be competent at anything yet because he's not even good at making food as we see in this episode so yeah it, it's uh he's kind of just the goofball character it's it's a good point that he is quirk like i was thinking um because i one reason i kind of like this one is that i like sort of especially just coming off of Enterprise, I like kind of like spicy crew interactions, which I think Voyager is doing Mm -hmm. at a very interesting tone where it's the characters are argumentative with each other, but you never get a sense that they actually have any animosity towards each other. So it's like, yeah, I I was thinking how it compared to DS9. And I would say that DS9 is like Voyager has a different aesthetic to its interactions than DS9 does, where DS9 to me felt like characters had varying levels of like and dislike of each other. Like there was a sort of like Mm -hmm. hierarchy in who the characters would prefer to work with or like talk to or whatever. Voyager, it feels like it's a, like a theatrical animosity that a lot of the characters have towards each other. It doesn't really feel grounded in anything. It just feels like these characters are kind of antagonistic towards each other. They're going to have a little bit of an antagonism now. They're going to talk about it and then they, have dialogue that is like almost like curated for that purpose or something. I don't know if right. that makes so much sense, yeah. but it it doesn't feel I wouldn't say that Voyager feels realistic in how it is, but I also think that it's it's not bad. It's just the the way that the show is trying to have these characters go off on each other. And I I kind of like it. After the um after no one on Enterprise really disagreeing about much of anything or having any different points of view, at least these characters have different points of view when they are in the same scene with each other, even if it doesn't feel yeah. completely real.
1: Yeah. I do think it's strange <clears throat> still that they went from, uh, will this cre- will this crew of Starfleet and Maquis be able to coexist without killing each other in the first episode to everybody's just chumming it up, hanging up in the Tom Paris fuckhouse in mm-hmm. four episodes you know yeah. it's like well, okay i mean i like i i enjoy their interactions still but i feel like the the edge is gone by this point yeah. um i enjoy, i mean <clears throat> this isn't a maquis starfleet thing but i liked the uh tuvok very quietly calming over to uh to kim to tell him to shut the fuck up <laughs> that's a that's a great joke and then and then coming yeah, back good.
0: kim comes back and is like how dare you say what i did <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, said I good. like that stuff. It's funny.
1: But yeah, but like I think I think I think that maybe that's what what doesn't work for me in this episode is that stuff like that. It feels like it this would be a great episode to really lean into more of that stuff where it's like more bickering and more frayed edges with the crew um and then yeah. you resolve it with everybody hanging out in the holodeck, especially when the uh the larger plot of your episode is literally stitching something back together and joining it yeah. together. Sure, um, it would be, you know, taking f- sp- frayed edges and literally joining them together. I think it would be it would work more for me if it was a little bit more like that where it's not that they're desperate and wanting to kill each other, but just that there's there's some tension there and that comes out in kind of, you know, spicy ways as you would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that... um I guess, I guess we're kind of making the same point. It, it doesn't feel... Mm-hmm. The show is, seems consciously trying to walk this line of like they are antagonistic, but not so antagonistic that they don't feel like a Star Trek crew at the same time. Sure. Like they're... Sure. They're kind of in between. And... Yeah, I, I, I guess, I mean, it's it's so early. We're only six episodes in that maybe like th- there's there's time to find the right tone for how you want these things to actually come across. But I did find myself like on one hand of that spectrum, I think is the TNG crew, which is like the pure professionalism of it. The other hand would yeah. be the DS9 group, which is that they really feel like they're people sort of shoved together to work together and that some of them don't actually care for each other. This feels like it's trying to combine those two aspects into one crew, um, and I think that what well, you're saying that that the point of the the point of the lesson to be learned is undone a little bit because their conflicts are rather silly <laughs> in the first place. Like it's a yeah. yeah, it's not the healing of being on the holodeck together feels more like it like works as a an idea on a piece of paper, then it actually comes across in the episode as a a time where they all come together and realize that they're all a family at this point. Yada, yada.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. Anything else about you? So you liked the alien thing. I thought the, I thought the alien was just kind of nothing bad, but not, uh, interesting i like your point about being stitched up and that like heals and it's about things healing but i didn't it's one of those ones that's just so divorced from the rest of the plot that every time you spend with that sci-fi idea it just feels like they're killing time to get to the end of it or maybe not sure. killing time but yeah. it, it was the disappointment of me being like oh right star trek has a formula they have to do the formula now this is the time
1: yeah well I think the problem, a big problem with it, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, they really fall headfirst into the techno babble for techno sake stuff. Yeah. Where they're just saying stuff that only has to do with being expository about the, the sci fi aspect that's happening. It, it, there's no underlying meaning, it's yep. just everybody saying stuff about the thing that's happening. And it's not in service of the story. It's just in service of explaining what the sci-fi element is. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got – and it just really feels like it stacks up because, I mean, if you kind of look back in, at, at this, those scenes, they've got basically the whole crew doing it at the same time. You've got Janeway doing it a bit, and then you've got Torres doing it a bit from the engine room. You got Paris doing it. Paris is usually the guy who's going like, "Wait a minute!" So what you're trying to tell me is, and then he says a little bit more, you know, English version of it. Um, you know, Wait but but everybody's in there, and the the doctor's in the background, and he's giving a, another a, a, a approach to it, and it's like, all right, again, if they were doing this and everybody was arguing with each other that would at least be thematically interesting. Yeah. But this is just everybody kind of just saying stuff. And it's like, all right, well, cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, But the general idea that a nebula is actually a a, a, a creature, I really like that, specifically because this show so far has, them j- has just been them driving headfirst into nebulas.
0: Yeah. And for them
1: finally to be like, <laughs> Oh, maybe we shouldn't just... I mean, the nebula is such a Star Trek trope that is throughout every series. It was interesting to me that for once it was like, no, it's not just a nebula. You just flew into a thing, like a living thing. You need need to be a little bit more careful where you're sticking that ship.
0: Yeah, and I would have been... I would have been happy with that lesson of just like if they had just crashed into it and gotten out and been like, oh, geez, I guess we shouldn't do that in the future anymore. I guess we should be a little bit more careful. I would have been happy with that as a – like the crew because the crew doesn't really learn that they shouldn't do that kind of stuff because that flies in the face of what the point of the series is. So They have to to go back and realize that they've made a big mistake and they have to go attempt to fix it and stuff like that, Um, which is – is what it is i just i i really personally just enjoyed the interpersonal dynamics it reminded me strongly of breaking the ice which is just like we can be a series that talks about how these characters actually um live with each other and i thought that that would have been interesting but they they step away from that a little bit um chakotay as you're saying has this like spirit animal (laughs) conversation in this one Mm. um
1: would you think? What'd you I think of thought, that? I thought it was hilarious because Janeway's reaction to that shit was such like your aunt just got into crystals. Yeah, where she's just she's she's like, oh, what is that about? So like, I could, we could talk to animal, and everybody has a different animal. I bet you're a bear. You're a bear. Is that yeah. true? I bet you're a bear. You look like a bear. And it's like it, it just felt it just had that like energy of you know your your aunt your aunt went to went to the southwest and came back with a bunch of turquoise or something you yep. know what i mean
0: yeah janeway would buy into uh, a multi-level marketing scheme she has that kind of she's got that kind of energy with this which is yeah. trying to sell her yes. a cutco knife and she's like "Can cut through a yeah. shoe a shoe really
1: I don't know. Uh, Ensign Kim Ensign Kim comes in and she's like, oh, don't, I'm sorry. Chicote was just selling me a timeshare. Now, what's on <laughs> your mind? <laughs> the, the
0: value only goes up, Catherine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Chico- I don't really understand what the, it just felt like a, a kind of weird, time-consuming plot line. I didn't hate it really, yeah. but I wasn't like enthralled by any of it. I did like the fact that when Balana comes in and it feels like they just got done having sex. They're like, oh, like hack <laughs> up the stones and stuff like that. We we gotta move yeah. on. Um and the bit where is the only one who killed her spirit animal is fine. That's a good Klingon joke, I think. That's decent, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um anything else about the cloud, I guess. Or should we just go to patron thoughts at this point? I don't I don't have too much else to say. I I continue just to to like the Voyager episodes in a way, but this one had me it maybe brought me back down to earth in a way because it was like, no, no, the show's not going to push the envelope that far. So don't yeah. get too crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, my only other thing about Neelix is <clears> throat> I throat> don't know why they are not doing things with him. That is the point of him being on the ship. Cause like he kind of in that, in that bit he has where he's like, I don't know why these people are, keep flying around i mean i don't know why they're going into nebulas i never go into nebulas i make it a point to go around nebulas i I, that was it it occurred to me i was like wait a minute the reason he's on this ship is he's supposed to be their guide he's not supposed to be the fucking chef (laughs) why is he uh, why is he now comic relief in cooking food for the for everybody when he he's supposed to be the person who's like showing them around and showing them what to do and what not to do. And it's, I don't know, it's yeah. just really weird to have have a character like that who has such a, a seemingly specific purpose never do it. Like, if he did both, that's fine. Yeah. But he just never does that other thing. He's just, just there to to be goofy. And I think no, they've that's shown what's him being what's bad at about him.
0: Yeah, they've shown him being bad yeah. at that more than actually being good. Kess I-
1: Kes can do a lot better is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. That was their, their like makeout scene is disgusting when she realizes that she's, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> she's that relationship. <laughs> that relationship has big freshman in college boyfriend from yeah. high school energy. Where yeah, she's like, like <laughs> you're the only one for me. And then she meets, she spends 48 hours in the holodeck with Tom Paris. And all of a sudden she's like, we should see other people.
0: Yeah, they are small town Nebraska high school sweethearts who have gone off to the big city at this point and are just uh, this. Yeah. Tom Tom Harris's holodeck episode, uh, holodeck uh, programs are calling to her, I think. Neelix is, um, have they just given up on Neelix, his original point at this point? Or you think they just don't want to focus on it? I don't know. I, I think he's, in some ways I get a, um, I know it comes after, but it's it's like Mayweather energy. It's like, we have an idea for this person.
1: Yeah. I don't really
0: know what you do with this idea though, so we'll just we'll have him become the chef or he can just fly the ship or something. At
1: least he's got lines though. Mayweather didn't even have lines in That's most true. episodes. Like they it's like it's weird that they they chose something for him to do and then had him do something completely different. Like he's if he's gonna be the comic relief character who's like not quite a stowaway, but not exactly part of the crew. Like, that's fine. Just let him be that. But I yeah. don't know why they needed to give him something to do and then just jettison it for something silly.
0: Yeah. He – it's it's maybe – it's almost a mistake, I think, that they separated Kess and him into two different characters because I almost mm. feel like the Neelix character should be the character who is like – He's kind of like the Data Spock character. He's outside of all this. So his his role mm-hmm. in the show is to kind of comment on the humanity that's happening in front of him. But because they've split them into two people, Kess functions as that role. She's kind of like the counselor in some ways. Mm-hmm. But Neelix is completely superfluous to anything. There's no reason for him to be there at the same time. So I, yeah. I, I don't know why they decided to have them be a couple. Just make that one character, really.
1: Um, well what What I think would work, and maybe this is their intention, I don't know, and I'm just not catching it um is to have Kess be the one who's taking this all seriously and actually wants to help, and have Neelix be her you know boyfriend who's there because she's right. there, but you know he doesn't he doesn't give a shit like he's right. just he's just there until they can get off at the next stop or whatever, and then so yeah. he ends up taking things a little bit less seriously. He ends up being the chef just to kill time. You know, that's the thing he finds. You know, like I think, there's, I think there's contrast there between the two of them that you could play with, but they're not really getting into it at all.
0: No, it would have to build up to a breakup, right? And then they're just stuck on the ship yeah, with each other. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, quick, uh, we can do a quick recap here just before if we go to final thoughts. Car- character power rankings. At this point, six episodes in, who's who's top two for you? Who are your
1: two favorite characters? My two favorite characters are, uh, Janeway in the the Doctor and Janeway in that order.
0: Okay, bottom two, Neelix and uh, Neelix and
1: uh, Paris. I guess you don't you don't typically like Paris. I don't really like Paris. That he hasn't really done anything interesting, uh, but however. I would say probably Chakotay just because he's done even fewer things that are interesting. <laughs> I, I like, you know, like He the, act, the actor's
0: – I like the actor's like energy persona, Beltran yeah. as Chakotay. I like that maybe a little bit more than – it seems more original than Tom Paris, but Chakotay is – Yeah. It's weird because I, I see a lot of – really unique potential for the captain and first officer relationship between him and Janeway. They have conversations that Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the other first officer and captains will will have had, but at the same time, it's still, I'm still not exactly sure what they're driving at between the two of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I really, uh, I like his energy a lot and I think his delivery makes the scenes that he's in a lot more interesting than the stuff he's actually doing. Right. Um where whereas Paris he like I like I said before he seems like he was one of 100 television actors from the n- mid 90s. Yeah. Um even the character seems like he's just sort of like a, a he's an amalgam of other better Star Trek characters who are who have become before him. However, he gets more fun things to do, whereas Chakotay doesn't or hasn't so far. Yeah. I think Chakotay has the bigger potential, but uh, Paris is probably being utilized a little bit better than Chakotay at this point.
0: Yeah. I can see Paris being a a character that the writers would prefer to write for. He's a little bit more versatile than Chakotay is, Mm -hmm. I think, in a lot of ways. That might be the reason that
1: he's there do you think that they are writing Paris uh, sorry Chakotay and Janeway to have like a thing that's what it seems like yeah even the way I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's the writing or just their chemistry but it seems like every scene they're in they talk to each other like five three inches from each other's face yeah. And there's over always like some rest. sort of blocking. <laughs> yeah, there's always some sort of like weird blocking where like Chicote's like slightly behind Jane Wayne, so she has to like crane her head up slightly <laughs> like they're on the poster for Casablanca every time she talks to him. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know I don't know if maybe the actors were just hot for each other or what, but but it's uh it's definitely something coming through.
0: It's definitely the blocking. Um it's hard for it's hard for like the way that the way that women sit when Jane Way's like sitting facing him just inherently feels flirty to me. When she like swings her legs mm. over and kind of looks at him, I don't know if that's some um, like I don't know if it's just a kind of a body language thing that seems there, but like when, when they're having that conversation on the bridge where she calls him a bear, it does seem very loaded with like sexual innuendo about all that stuff, like down to the bear line, yeah. down to the way she's sitting and looking at him.
1: I'm not sure. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just, uh, uh the, the symptom that a lot of us Star Trek fans had to deal with where, we don't understand what it's like for a woman to actually be engaged in what we're talking about. And so we immediately pick that up as being flirtatious, and it ends up going horribly.
0: <laughs> Anytime a man and a woman talk, Clay, there's clearly some sexual energy just being passed back and forth. Uh, yeah, have to well, that's imagine. the only 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 thing I understand that can happen. <laughs> why Why else would you talk to each other? Um, my power rankings would be Dr. Tuvok, or the one in the two, the bottom...
1: I still... I would go. I really like Tuvok, but I he hasn't really done a lot yet. I don't I think, think he's when had they use to. him, he's good. He's been good at yeah. what he
0: needs to do. Like I, I like yeah. his things with Kim. Good, good utility player.
1: Yeah, he's he's a good.
0: Um, I call those kind of personalities the mixers. Like they they're not great by themselves, mm. but you put them with some alcohol, and it's like this whole thing turns into a party. I think Tuvok is that kind oh, of a character. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. My bottom two are Neelix and. Probably Kim. There's nothing really wrong yeah. with him, but I, I, it's like, I don't. I would rather have a Tom Paris story, I think, than a Harry Kim story at this point. I don't know what a Harry Kim story would look like, honestly, but I, that's what I would go
1: with. Um, well, <laughs> sorry. Let's <laughs> say if it's based, based on the way they wrote him in this, probably a lot of outdated 1940 stereotypes is what yeah. it would be like. Yeah.
0: He should. <laughs> he needs to teach Neelix like some uh, Kung Pao chicken recipes or something like that and just really get this, this this thing back on track. All right, that's it. We'll go to patron thoughts then. Thank you everybody for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed the content, patreon.com slash LipinskiFell is the place to go. Support the show a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff like podcasts and whatnot. We're covering Picard season two. We're up to maybe episode five or six at this point, probably. You can go there for every episode of Star Trek Picard is being covered on Patreon. And as always, we give a special thank you to our patrons... Captain Tier Patrons, special thanks to go to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Charlock, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Christian Pouch, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Brendan House, Nick Sergey, Grim Santos, Sean, Bradley Killins, Dwayne Hackett, Volter 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Middle Mosk, Russell Ouch, Stefan Minton, HS twenty eight, Dark Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jake 123, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Point G Barry Wallace, Jamie Crow, Captain Braznick, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Nick the Rat, William Schissler, Rahan Jaffer, Grapple John Zorn, Zane Majors, Olivia Parter, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunters, EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunches, and James McLennan, Disbrata, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Admiral Nakamura, Edmark Starr, mm-hmm. Tuvix Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, Royo, Jeremy Bordreau, Rage for the Machine, The Undiscovered Mugato, Robbie Duffield, and Atanga Udorn. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the podcast. And now, patron thoughts. If you're a $5 on patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them. Norman Buckwald says, The Cloud is an episode I've seen others give negative ratings, but I actually quite like this one as the main story is not so much the anomaly, but the community of crew members on the ship. Still, this does harken back to the TNG episode Galaxy's Child, except there isn't a character coming off as a creep in this one. Three animal guides to discover out of
1: five. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I would agree that there's not a character coming off like a creep in this there's episode. A, there's a
0: <laughs> also, not does not to not to be ageist or anything does tom paris have a thing for older women in this did you did maybe you, there was I, I just found it unusual the, the, that the, the, the p- woman
1: who owned the place yeah
0: she's older right that's a that's an that yeah. it was just I'm, nothing not that there's anything wrong with that this whole subgenre categorization of that kind of adult content on the internet you can find but i just i i was struck that uh Tom Paris didn't really strike me as that kind of a guy. I would have imagined just Hooters waitresses all around that place instead of just a <laughs> yes. French madam or something.
1: James, well, Mc- <laughs> the uh, I mean the brunette lady was was seemed age appropriate for the was most she? part. But okay, the, she- the woman who owned the place <clears throat> definitely was, uh, you know, uh, the kind of older woman that Rod Stewart would write songs <laughs> about. <laughs>
0: James McLennan says, I honestly couldn't tell you what the sci-fi plot of this episode was, but what I enjoy about this episode is the characters. I find Voyager to be a show where the characters feel most like a family. TNG is generally an atmosphere of very close office co-workers. In DS9, most of the characters have a love-hate relationship with each other. So while Voyager should be the most tense starship in the galaxy if they properly use their premise, instead, everybody gets along and it's actually enjoyable in a comfort food sort of way. Four coffees out of five nebulas. I would agree with that comments. I think that that's true so far.
1: Uh, Isn't that weird though? Cuz like this show by its nature should be the most uncomfortable and jarring. Yes, but the it darkest. does still Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it does still have that pocket of comfortable 90s Star Trek or or classic Star Trek um regardless.
0: To me it's so. to me it just feels 100% intentional. I think it's that like Yeah. If I'm I'm to predict what the flaw of this will be, it's that they wanted that comfort TNG, like an even more familial TNG was what they were trying to get Mm. to, but the concept and the premise just kind of flies in the face of that, and that's where it ends up. Christian Pouch says, this episode made me regret wanting to learn more about the characters. Uh, That trip into the nebula was reckless. Neelix is insufferable, and that pool hall is no we're only in the fourth episode i barely know these people and still everyone feels off like they've all tripped like they're all tripping on something nothing flows like the writers had a bowl full of ideas and they just splice them together into a script two out of five i also agree with that about that one i like the episode more than that but um, uh it it is kind of
1: disparate patrick we didn't even talk about uh we didn't even talk about how one of the patrons at the at the Paris bar is fake, fake Kramer from, from that episode yeah. of Seinfeld when that, they cast the is, movie. That, that is what Or the is. show, rather. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's. <laughs> that, that guy is so recognizable. I knew it was him before they even showed his face.
0: Right. Like yeah. he
1: had, I don't, I don't know what it is about that guy, but like, I kind of heard him say something and I go, oh, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> that's the fake Kramer guy. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: fake kramer yeah I, I I forgot that he's fake kramer i don't know what i would think of uh, him from but he's just one of those guys he's that guy <laughs> patrick mm-hmm. seba says mint juleps at breakfast ensign kim oh what fun chakotay's a bear how rugged that one can't be arsed to care it's a crew full of squares competent but boring it's done two and a half fake indian advisors lower half out of five Rayo says, The episode has somewhat of a famous reputation in Star Trek being an example of how a boring anomaly of the week script was saved by excellent character direction. A dull conversation about officer etiquette is saved by having Janeway in the background in a desperate search for coffee. And a laborious technobabble sequence is made more funny by having the doctor in the background acting offended while muted. Heck, anytime they come to the doctor for dry techno babble, he returns with biting sarcasm, which dramatically improves the episode. Really, the crew interactions are top-notch in this episode and kind of a surprise for season one of Star Trek. Unfortunately, the reason the cloud is so well-known is because the show won't maintain this level of quality. The biggest nitpick of the episode is that the plot is how, about how they can't afford to use a replicator for coffee, but Tom and Harry are drinking wine in the holodeck. Four out of five.
1: Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about that because they have to shut down half the ship so they can save power. Yep. But Tom Paris is just cranking it out in the uh, holodeck. You had asked in the last Janeway's episode... Janeway's driving
0: the ship. Yeah, if the holodeck was even the thing at this point. And we were like, oh, well, the power's off. They must not yeah. be using it. But apparently it's it's there to be used. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Between, between his holodeck use and Janeway just driving the ship into nebulas and and costing it 20% of the power reserves to get out. It's uh, not really really rationing it the way I would assume they would.
0: I think this is – I think that that aspect is the biggest problem in a Mm -hmm. season-wide sense so far is that they keep talking about power shortages – and it's completely detached from any sense of that I have about what's going on, and it seems only to exist to give them a motivation to go to somewhere to do something because they need more power or something. But like, they just started. I've never heard any other Star Trek show where like the ship goes off and they're like, "Oh Jesus, we're already out of gas. Like we got to go stop and get some more right. gas." It's like we can't. <laughs> this, this new Intrepid class ship just burns through the miles per gallon or something. But this crew. They lost twenty percent in this episode. They don't have enough energy to make coffee. Like this it's just, it's just oh, a strange um narrative choice that they're not explaining. Even,
1: I honestly don't even know what kind of energy they need. No, it's either particles I, or dilithium. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah. My I have a very vague understanding of how energy use and disbursement on the ship works at all. Right. Uh, full full stop across all of Star Trek. I know that the warp core is there and it does most of the heavy lifting. Aside from that, no idea. So I'm not even really sure what they're after, I guess, and why they have less of it. Yeah. Um I don't know.
0: How you can lose it. Prius technology is better right. than that at this yeah. point in time. I'll tell uh, you.
1: I'll tell you how you can lose it. Spend an hour in the holodeck with Tom Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Just-
0: this the ship just being uh, rocked by an attack, as Tom Paris says. Uh, just more and more fifty year old women be- materializing <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the holiday. <hall>
0: <laughs> the power used to to create just... their wrinkles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what do you do? You, you keep saying you're putting on a production of *Lay Mis, but I don't think that's what's happening in there. <laughs>
0: It's uh it's a it's a strange, strange choice. I would I would change that. I just don't um I don't I I understand on a, a bigger sense why they have to do it, but it's it feels like it's every episode is just chasing power for some reason. I'm not sure it's completely necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latte Librarian says the cloud, there's coffee in that nebula, is my favorite Voyager meme. Neelix mansplaining how to be a good captain was annoying. I think Belana and Kira from DS9 would be friends. Three cups of coffee out of five. Matt Ross says, Initially a good idea and one they revisit in a later season where the cloud is malevolent. Maybe it's the same cloud or its cousin. Some of the best portions of this episode to me are Neelix's coffee substitute and the coffee in the Nebula line. Other parts like Neelix acting like the audience in frustration about how ridiculous it is that Janeway is not making a beeline home and Janeway's melancholy realization that they are alone, thanks to her decision, are interesting scenes. I think their concern for the cloud is laudable. But misplaced in his mental, uh, mental massaging of the Starfleet ideal and the wrong idea for the standard craft, the rest of the show with the Native American lines, the bar and Janeway's finding herself are there and build a lot into the show, but they don't smoothly connect for the story. Three clouds out of five. Point X G says this is another early example of a sci-fi plot that exits primarily. That exists, I think, means uh, that exists primarily to drive the other more important parts of the narrative. It was a wise decision decision to address issues like energy and food, but also to bring the crew's morale and mental well being to the forefront. It's unfortunate that the show's Native American cultural consultant was an absolute fraud because using Chikoté to address Janeway's mul- mental state and how close she is to her uh, she should get to her crew is a brilliant way to show those characters bonding after a rocky start. Also of note is the introduction of Sandrine's bar, which will be a fixture in early Voyager episodes. Oh, really? Interesting. This bar, the I was wondering that Chalet de Fouque is uh, going to come back, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure that pool table gets cleaned. What was the argument like? uh, What's the difference between pool and billiards? I didn't realize there was a difference between pool and billiards.
1: Apparently, billiards doesn't have pockets. So, how do you play? No idea. Yeah. I don't I thought they were the same thing. This maybe this episode taught me something. I did too. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but that was what she that's said. Who, yeah, that's what they said. In the in the thing. Yeah.
0: It's not dumb jot or anything. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. What you're going to say something about Sandrine's bar or
1: uh I was going to say something about another element of that comment and Chicote's
0: cultural consultant Indian. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, I kept expecting that whole thing felt like the episode of the office where or or one of the episodes of the office where uh michael scott goes to uh <laughs> the the black guy who works in the warehouse and like wants to learn how to be black or something mm. yep. like i kept thinking it, it was it felt like chicote was just making stuff up and stringing stringing her along for some his own amusement but no they <laughs> apparently were just serious and <laughs> he actually yeah. is a Native spiritual advisor of some sort.
0: I took a. I think I might have told this story. I took a screenwriting course in college where there was a um, a woman who wasn't a student. She was older. It was like a um, it was like a summer course or something. So it was open, I think, to outside people. And her script, I'll I'll never forget. It was like it made the Native American and this look subtle in some way. Like it was this weird uh, romance script about this Native American character had this. This really intense sex scene that we had to read <laughs> because we were we were reading uh, the scripts to each other. Excellent. Um, but I just she had a line. I think that was something like the the Indian said like that we'll go as straight as the eagle flies. Like it was just stuff like that. And Chakotay <laughs> here, but, Chakotay here, by <laughs> my comparison, is remarkably subtle. Bear or not, or not. Um, Janeway's animal doesn't say anything to her, does it? I don't think so she says no to she, it.
1: she gets yeah she gets yanked out of there before her uh, salamander can say anything
0: okay Cal Barrett says, The Cloud, a bizarre and clumsy little episode in every way, including the script, the face of which reads like a Brandon Braga phenomenon of the weak joint, but with Michael Pillar ejaculating his trademark character moments all over it. It's those character beats, the awkward and racist as some of them can be, like the Native American stereotyping and the Korean guy being a font of Chinese wisdom, but that keeps the episode <laughs> afloat and makes it surprisingly watchable, even if, it, even if it's through one's fingers. The teaser in particular is great. We also get the debut of Shay Sandrine, and while I like the idea of a central socializing hub, it's a weird choice of venue that I just don't like and is clearly the front for a French whorehouse. While Harry Kim plays the shy, sexually inexperienced ensign. Rumor is it, rumor is that he has the dick the size of the red sequoia and fucks like a bullet train. Three ancient Chinese curses out of five. Oh boy. We'll get to Harry we'll get to Harry Kim.
1: Kyle. Oh. Kyle, tell us in your next comment what the difference between billiards and pool is, please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to Google it right now. We'll wait for the next episode. I'm sure it's a recurring. I want
1: next episode. I want only comments about the difference between billiards and pool <laughs> from any everybody. <laughs> but we're not reading them. Brandon Howell says, well, it galls me to agree with Neelix on
0: anything. He's right about the actions of the crew in this one. These people are natural born idiots, if you ask me. Why don't they appreciate what they have here? The ship is the match of any vessel within 100 light years. And what did they do with it? Well, let's see if we can't find some space anomaly that might rip it apart. This episode sets up the Neelix is a bad cook storyline. (laughs) and We're introduced to Sandrine's where Tom has a girl on every arm. If Chakotay had never shown his medicine bundle to anyone before, how come Bellana tried to kill her animal guide? Neelix appoints himself, morale officer. Get me to the game of Quadrant once. Two ancient sutures out of five. Grappler John Zorn. This episode is worth watching in that it's a summary of about 65% of the dreary episodes to come, including the following traits. Utterly uncompelling holodeck settings, atonal attempts at multiculturalism, meaningless and improbable sacrifices to do what's right. The show is as fond of spatial anomalies as TOS was of godlike beings, but at least godlike beings have some personality. Early Neox is neither comic relief nor an effective voice. The attempt to do both simply casts the character as an unlikable irritant. We will, of course, never see Janeway's animal guide again, at least until she gives birth to three of them. The Court of self-sacrifice for moral reasons that Voyager keeps trying to strum is inherently out of tune. As we all know, everything will return to normal by next week's episode. A most cynical five out of five, because if you wanted to show someone what Voyager is all about, this is the episode to show them. Kieran Simmons says, episode is dull, but new characters make it feel a little fresher. Neelix wasn't terrible yet here. Imagine how much more interesting if the episode was about solving an ordinary Star Trek problem. Uh, If the episode... Was about trying to solve an ordinary Star Trek problem by getting creative to do it using minimal resources. Jonas says, Well, we never get to see the living space anomaly around which the majority of the episode was centered. The spirit animal business is, I suppose, a nice try. And Paris' holodeck pleasure dome is a lukewarm diversion from the banalities of this episode. As usual, Picardo remains the best part. 1.5
1: out of 5. Final comment, Donald Musk. Could the doctor go to that place he could right i assume they could probably just to the holodeck <clears throat> reroute his projector yeah that's I, fun yeah I mean, we'll that's fun <laughs> yeah
0: and he would get to interact with his own people right it would be like going home cuz he gets a, to talk in to a other... sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk to his own holodeck people darth musk says bland C TNG story But the show is shining on character development. Love the character-driven focus of the episode despite questionable spirit animal vision quests. Get the captain some coffee. Three annoyed doctors out of five. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Had a variety of opinions about the cloud. And now we'll get to our final thoughts, I guess, about this, Clay. So thanks, everybody, for leaving your comments. Patreon.com slash Lipinski file. What are you going to give this one, Clay, on a scale of one to
1: five? Um... I am going to give this a three, uh, yeah, I think it's fine, I think it has potential, but I don't really know if it gets there for me um yeah, that's about it
0: yeah i I think it was a four for me when I watched it at first, it was like oh. week four mm-hmm. um i it's basically doing what I like about Voyager that we've talked a lot about already is that there is at least an attempt to humanize this crew in some way. Like they are mm. they are characters uh, who exist and are sort of well fleshed out and have distinct personalities. I think that the problem the show is having so far is that while I'm liking everything, it hasn't felt like they found a script that really suits the characters yet. It feels like the characters right, are just yeah. stuck in a sort of generic Star Trek story on top of it. And Mm -hmm. because we don't know enough about the characters, we don't get a huge amount of solid interaction with them. Like, are Tom and Harry the two characters who have spent the most time together, would you say?
1: Like, are there any other... It seems like it, yeah. They seem to be more buddy-buddy than everybody else.
0: And I don't find them particularly... um, compelling as a pairing you know like i i understand what they're doing but there's nothing really fascinating about what it is even though i think both characters are fine i think that's what voyager at this point is suffering most from is that they haven't they haven't found a story that you go oh this is this is deserving of a voyager crew on it at this point maybe time and again was the closest but nothing really super close and this one I liked it. I still, I'm still enjoying the Voyager episodes, uh, but they sci-fi stuff not so good in this one. <laughs> so it's a three for me at the end yeah. of the day.
1: I, I, it feels to me like they haven't quite figured out, like, like the setup for this show. This is what's so frustrating about it. Is like the, I feel like the setup, the concept of this show, is like bulletproof. It's really good. The idea, the 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 page one idea. High concept of the show, very good. However, I feel like, strangely enough, they haven't figured out what to do with any of it. And they end up in this weird space where they are trying to have the. They're presenting this new concept, but they want it to feel familiar. So they kind of sidestep the concept and make everybody f- comfortable. But they also have placed the ship in an area of space <clears throat> that isolates them from everything that we know.. Yep. And so far they have not met any new aliens really, aside from the first episode or whatever. Um, and so which would, in theory, lend itself to more inter or uh, more um, conflict and stories involving the crew themselves? Right. But they're not doing that either. Yeah. And so what you end up with is you keep flying the ship in the nebulas yeah. <laughs> where like, it's happened like four times in yeah. like six episodes. yeah. And it's just a really fascinating thing where you've got such a great setup. but in practice, there's just they keep not really figuring out exactly what the vibe of this show is or what they want it to be or, and so you end up with this strange sort of middle ground that um, has potential but isn't totally satisfying.
0: Yeah, I guess to to narrow down what I was saying, I like, and I've even, like, I would say really liked individual character scenes so far. Like, like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of uh, when Paris gets slapped by the doctor (laughs) to prove that he's a hologram and stuff like that. Uh, Chakotay... And Tuvok have a little bit of a, an antagonistic conversation in like the second episode. Mm-hmm. I think there have been scenes where yeah. I like it, but there's not been an episode yet where I go, This interaction is carrying the show for this episode. Yeah. Like, this I can understand how you can build a, a something around that. It just feels, um, I don't want to say trite, but it feels to come back to what I was saying, it feels performative in a way that it's not not deep enough to actually write a story around yet. It just feels Mm -hmm. we know that these are how these characters are supposed to be, but we have not been able to figure out how to actually turn this into a story at this point. And I think the downside of the concept for what you're saying is that if you were to redo this, I wonder how long you can actually maintain stuff like the Maquis Federation tension on the ship. You know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a tough, it's a great concept. That's also somewhat difficult to execute, I think, um, for a variety of different reasons.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, I think everything evolves too, you know, like I think, I think that's the problem with it is they evolved the concept too quickly and they kind of where you should be. Arguably, at the end of the season, or or possibly even at the end of later seasons, they're yeah. there at the end of the first episode, basically. Yeah. Um, like I was just thinking, how much does this story change if Janeway's like, "Let's fly into that nebula and go get me some coffee," and Chakotay's like, "Hey, how about we don't do that? That's really reckless." You know what I mean? Like, right. there's there's no pushback or anything. There's no there's no tension or obviously th- this is. A more lighthearted episode so maybe that sort of challenging of her command is not appropriate right. for this episode specifically but it is just a little bit weird yeah it is just a little bit weird um to have all that potential story there and just just kind of just lay, leave it on the table in favor of you know spirit guys and shit yeah yeah it'll be interesting. but that being said that being said i still kind of like that stuff yeah like i don't the the spirit guide stuff is silly as hell, but I kinda like it. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and the 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 holodeck thing is weird and silly as hell, but I kinda like it. So it's I don't know, it's a weird I would it's a weird uh uh contrast for me.
0: I would I guess I like at this early point, and again, I'm gonna people who like Enterprise, I'm sorry, but I have to go back to it. Like Voyager, at least very early on, has a kind of charm to it that Enterprise never seemed to get, really. I, I find nothing charming yeah. about Enterprise, but the, cr- the crew of Voyager, I do agree with the patron comments. They're just like, I do feel that this, if if this was the first Star Trek you watched, I can see loving Voyager. I can see you being like, this is <clears throat> yeah. this is my show. Like, this is, I know these characters sure. and everything. Sure,
1: sure.
0: Um, it'll be interesting having it not be my show and watching it now. I think what the series is going to show is going to try to prove to us or is going to help us figure out is how far can you go on charm, kind of? Like, how far is that willing to take you? Yeah, And we'll see when when that runs out.
1: Um, Here's a question, not to get too deep into the weeds so early. Would you say, maybe we've already talked about this, I honestly can't remember. Would you say Voyager is the first step down the road of star trek becoming a nostalgia machine.
0: Based on what I know about the series.
1: Yeah, just based on like or what we've we seen are, so far. Yeah, based on what we've seen so far cuz we've got you know you've got the original series, you've got the original movies, they're all kind of like moving things forward. You've got TNG move things forward. You got Deep Space 9 really changes things up. And then the next move is to do Voyager, which, as I just kind of talked about, has not has a very unique, different premise, but ultimately is just relying on the charm and the feeling of TNG. So they're kind of work already taking a step backwards. Oh, I see what you mean. And kind of putting a sheen of a, a gloss of new on it. And then the next thing they do is Enterprise, which they kind of do the same thing and start leaning on that stuff even more. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I would say that... I would say that Voyager is not that way in the fact that the concept of it has put them so far away that they Mm. have to come up with new material for it, in a sense. Like, they will do away with that with the Borg eventually. Like, the Borg will become a bigger part of the show and stuff like that. But I think that... If you wanted to get sort of artistic about it, you could say that the concept does and G in the sense that it's an attempt to run back to the security of what, you know, you know, like Voyager is trying mm-hmm. to get home mm-hmm. and Star Trek is trying to just go back to what that was when TNG was on and stuff like right. that. Right. But right. I, it'll be interesting to see how we feel at the end of it, because I don't get the sense that this, is, at least to what we've seen of Voyager, I don't get the sense that this is just endlessly referential
1: to what yeah. came
0: before it. Um, enterprise to me well, really i guess that's what like i that. mean
1: i guess that's what i mean by just sort of the first step because it seems like the first glimmer of of that where Having, it's yeah. like it's let's let's do something comfortable instead of pushing the envelope here
0: i would agree with that i i think that maybe it's just we're too early in the first season and none of the shows really do anything dramatic in their first season sure like there's no yeah. there's no attempt yeah. to I still stick to the point that I think the first season of Voyager so far has potential to be the best, most consistent first season of any of the series that we've seen so far. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: I'm just straight threes all the time, but Enterprise was straight twos. D&G was terrible and DS9 was like slightly better than terrible for its first season. So Mm. we'll see. All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Patreon.com slash The Penske Fellow. If you want to support the show, go there. Do that. You get all your uh, Picard coverage. You get a whole bunch of other sci-fi podcasts we've done. Clay has some stuff. Clay, do you want to let people know what you have on there?
1: Yeah, we've got uh, Amanda and I from the Rotten Horror Picture Show are covering this year the second stringers of Stephen King adaptations. Every month we're doing uh, a sort of a B-level uh adaptation of a stephen king story so in uh january we did it chapter two february we did silver bullet march is salem's lot from uh the late 70s early 80s and uh i'm not sure what the next one is it's going to be random for for april and i jesus i can't believe it's already april almost Mm -hmm. get your taxes in it's time
0: yeah it will be um
1: oh also uh, we're going to have a badass Patreon exclusive going up pretty soon, if it's not already out, yet, or not already out by the time this comes up, which is going to be uh, myself and Sean talking about the uh, Red Hood comic that the two of us are writing together, which will be out later this year. So if you want to know all about that, check that out too. Cool. Patreon.com slash the file for all that stuff. Thanks, everybody, for
0: listening. It means a lot. Thank you for leaving your thoughts about The Cloud. You give this one a three, Clay. I give it a three. Straight threes for me, I think, so far. And I guess we're done. The next episode is, is it ex post facto? Is that the next episode? It is Eye of the Needle is the next one. So we'll see. Oh, and Clay, based on your, uh, uh, what the hell? That you were just talking about, is is Voyager the first first one to see hints of retreating into itself Star Trek-wise? Mm-hmm. Next episode, Eye of the Needle features a Romulan. So, there we go. We'll see how that oh, goes. Okay. And we'll see whether or not our our concerns are founded about whether or not this is retreating too quickly. <coughs> we'll know that next week with Eye of the Needle. All right, everybody. See you later.